Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. Guys, thanks again for being here on the Zoom. Great to see your faces. And uh, yeah, Taylor already said what RUF is all about. I know you guys know a lot about that. But uh, and he said we're going through the Apostles' Creed, and we're just plowing through it. Honestly, um, this is the sixth week of the semester, guys. Did, were you aware of that? Week number six. So there's only twelve like on-campus weeks this semester. So it's kind of like the halfway point. Although there will be more after you go, everyone goes home and stuff. But uh, that's pretty cool. And I've really enjoyed uh, picking apart the Apostles' Creed uh, piece by piece. And uh, we've been in this part of the Apostles' Creed that focuses on Jesus. Uh, there's like, we're going to spend like six weeks on the Jesus part of the Apostles' Creed out of 12. And uh, so in the last couple of weeks, we covered like Jesus dying and rising again suffering, dying, rising again. And tonight we're going to focus on this part of the creed that says he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And we're going to look at this passage. We're actually going to look at two different passages today um, that are, are going to help us understand Jesus ascending into heaven, what it um, what happened there, and then what it means. Uh, so, We're going to look at Acts chapter 1 and then Colossians chapter 3. So I think we got them coming up here. Yeah, there we go. Um, So this is from the book of Acts. And uh, Acts was written by by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So as he says in the first book, and he's talking about uh, his Gospel, the one that he wrote about Jesus' life and ministry. And now he's starting the second book, the book of Acts. So uh, let me read it for us. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then briefly, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Uh, This is kind of a really concise explanation of 
about what that first passage means. Uh, it says, uh, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Uh, set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Okay. Uh, so in the, if you've been around RUF a while, you know we say a lot like RUF is about the gospel. And we talk a lot about what the gospel is. And if you've been around RUF, you know that the first thing I usually say about the gospel is it's good news. Uh, it means good news. And it's actually historically a very specific type of good news. Uh, if you go back to the first time it was ever used, the, its first usages, it was used as good news about a new king. It was always like, you know, in the Roman Empire, like there's a new emperor, go proclaim the gospel that there's a new Caesar or that we've captured more territory. Uh, it was always about like a king coming into power. And it's in light of that, that uh, in the Bible, there's this idea of the ascension, uh, the gospel as good news about the ascension. There is a new king, the king is Jesus. And, you know, uh, we don't think about the ascension a lot. Like, I, I bet we talk about Jesus's death and resurrection in the church, like way, 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 way more than the ascension. But uh, the ascension is extremely important, actually. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, if you passed all your classes at UConn, for instance, uh, but just decided like not to receive your degree. Like the whole point of all the classes and taking them all is that you get to hold the proof, the diploma, and you get to walk across the stage if they ever have graduations in person again. Um, you know, you would never do all the work and then be like, you know what, I, I don't even want the degree. Like you would take the degree and the ascension of Jesus to the throne of heaven is kind of like that. It's the proof that, Jesus did what he set out to do, that it worked. And it's the proof that the world is now different forever. Uh, his life and death worked. Uh, his resurrection worked. Uh, he is the king. Uh, another way to think about it is like, you know, the king that we're probably all most familiar with, or the queen rather, is Queen Elizabeth uh, in England. And Queen Elizabeth is extremely old. I think she's 94 or 95 years old, which means She's not going to last much longer. And the heir to the throne of England is Prince Charles. Uh, but when she dies, uh, will Prince Charles become king instantly? Kind of. But there will be a coronation ceremony that will forever be remembered, that will make it official. And Jesus' ascension, this what we read in Acts, that's like his coronation ceremony as he goes into heaven. And we can see that Jesus' disciples in that passage we read don't immediately get that because they're looking up into heaven where he went and angels appear and they say, why are you looking up? And the implication is like, what should be happening is celebrating. What should be happening is worship because this is the moment that, it, that culminates everything. It makes it official. And his disciples are still looking up, trying to figure out what it means. And what it means is that Jesus really is our savior. He's really our king. Uh, we need the ascension and we, we need it because 
I talked to enough of you to know that life is really fragile and challenging. And, you know, I consider it a great privilege to sometimes hear from you guys about what's going on in school or in life or with family or with friends. And, um, you know, sometimes we talk about these things and I try to listen or offer advice or give you my perspective. But what I should always be doing is pointing you to the fact that there is now an ascended Christ. Uh, Jesus is on the throne. Uh, the one who not only uh, did the work to accomplish salvation, but is now universally recognized as the king, the, the king of the universe. Uh, because it doesn't always seem that way, right? It doesn't always seem like Jesus is the king. Uh, but the, the ascension, this account that we read, proves that it's true. It proves that he's the king today, now. And so I just want to look at two aspects of this good news of the ascension tonight. Uh, Jesus going up into heaven, being seated on the throne. And that's the, the two parts of the really good news of the ascension are that we are now in him and that he is now in us if we belong to him. So first of all, uh, we are in him. Uh, there's a human now. What this is saying is there's a human in the presence of God the Father in heaven running the show. Uh, we don't know a lot about what heaven is. Heaven actually isn't mentioned a ton in the Bible. And so there's not a lot that we can say for sure about what heaven is, but we know it's outside of space and time. And it's the, it's the realm where God dwells. That's what heaven is. That's what we can say for sure. And what we now know because of the ascension is that Jesus is in heaven uh, at the right hand of the Father, uh, he's in the control room of everything, is what that means. And the reason that's a big deal is because Jesus is a man, like he's a human, like me and you. Uh, and he's in the presence of the Father in heaven, uh, running the show. And if you've read through the Bible before, you know this is a massive deal because this hasn't happened before since Adam and Eve were thrown out of the Garden of Eden. It hadn't happened until Jesus went up into heaven on the, in that account we just read that there was a human in the presence of God the Father. And, you know, Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden, if you remember that story, uh, because of sin, because they were now tainted. They had rebelled against God, and Eden was no longer their home because of that. Uh, they were other from, God was completely other from them, and so they were cast out. And the question that was kind of uh, in place from then on was like, how uh, can, you know, how can flesh and blood ever be in the presence of God? Like, how could a human ever come back? Like, how could this problem be solved? And the answer was always, you can't. Like, a human can't dwell with God. Uh, God is holy. Uh, this week in our staff meeting, Taylor and Sophie and I were looking at this passage from Exodus about Moses uh, wanting to see God. Uh, he said, uh, let me see your glory. And, and God says to him, you can't look at me and live. You know, I can pass by you, but you're going to have to be like hidden here. Uh, and that's how it was always uh, in the Old Testament. All the, you couldn't see God and live. He was that, he is that holy. Uh, and yet, uh, now there's a human in the presence of God. 
Uh, now Jesus, who is God, is human, and he's in the presence of God, the Father. Uh, there's flesh and blood in heaven. Um, he's a true man, but he has no sin, and so he can be there. And that's very good news for us, people like us, because what it ultimately means is that we can go to. And that's what the Colossians 3 passage that we read is really about. It's, it talks about, like, we died with Christ. Uh, and, you know, if you read through the New Testament, there's all this language of, like, we died with him. We ra- were raised up with him. Uh, we're even now seated with him. Uh, Christ, our life is hidden in Christ. And all over the New Testament, you see this language of, like, uh, people that believe in Jesus are in Christ. Uh, the fancy word for that is union with Christ. Uh, we're united to Christ. Uh, that's how Jesus saves us, is that he comes as our substitute. So now we're so intertwined with his life that what's true of him is now true of believers in him, uh, those who belong to him. And there's a lot of, you know, it sounds like a kind of a difficult concept in a lot of ways, but uh, we, there's a lot of examples of it in life here and now. For instance, uh, did you know that the Yukon women's basketball team is number one right now? We, are we aware of They're always number one, pretty much, but they weren't. They actually lost the game earlier in the season, and so uh, they're number one again, though, because they've just been crushing everyone since then. And if you walk around Yukon, or if we were to talk about it here, it would be perfectly fine for us to say we're number one, right? Did you hear, like, we're number one in women's basketball now? And the reason we would say that is because we either like go to UConn or are affiliated with UConn or cheer for UConn uh, so much so that although I've never played one millisecond of a women's basketball game, I can say we're number one. Uh, another example, you know, the most profound kind of human example of this is marriage, right? I'm married to my wife, Maggie. We've been married uh, for almost nine years now. And you know, I don't ask Maggie, like, if I can borrow her shampoo. I just take it, you know, because it's our shampoo. Or, like, if she's got, like, a book on the shelf and I want to borrow it, like, I don't ask. It would be, like, ridiculous for me to ask because we're united as one in so many ways. And, you know, it wouldn't make sense to <laughs> ask uh, for something. And so there's all these things we do and with our kids too. We just like take each other's stuff and it's not even considered taking each other's stuff because it's just our stuff because we're united. And what the doctrine of union with Christ is saying is that uh, that's what our relationship with Jesus is now. That's what salvation does is that uh, what's true of Jesus, including his place uh, at the right hand of the Father in heaven, is that's our place. Uh, what he has done, what he has accomplished, uh, we in a mysterious way have accomplished. You know, like his good works are now count for our good works. And it's just incredible. And it's extremely important because we have all kinds of moments of despair about ourselves, right? Like, you know, sometimes I just get to a point in my life when I think like, am I ever going to change? Or can I ever be different? And what you need to know is that Jesus Christ is a man, he's a human like you and me, and he's with God the Father in heaven. And because he has united himself to his people, uh, we're there too. Uh, if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, then this is the most true thing about who you are. 
you're in Jesus. What's true of him is true of you. It means that the most true thing about you isn't your selfishness anymore. Uh, the most true thing about you isn't your greedy heart. Uh, and the most true thing about you isn't your web browsing history. Uh, if you're in Christ, the most true thing about you is that you have a place at the right hand of God in heaven. It's where you belong uh, on your best day and on your worst day. On the day when you failed the most you've ever failed, if you belong to Jesus, that's already been secured for you. Uh, and the proof is that Jesus is there right now. He's a man, a true man. He was here. Now he's there. And that's our place too. So we're in him. But the second thing I want to look at is that uh, he is also in us. Um, Jesus, because he's in heaven, is now with all Christians forever. And this is, I, don't, I wonder if you've ever thought of this. Uh, you know, Jesus says it's better. He tells his disciples, like, it's better for me to go away than to stay with you. And that never really made sense to me. Um, and after Jesus leaves, they're all looking up, uh, probably because they're like, come back. <laughs> come back here. Uh, wouldn't it be great if we could stay with him? Like, we just want to cling to him. We want to eat meals with him more and be with him. Uh, but it's actually better for them that he stay in heaven. Um, and the reason for that is so that he can, you know, in the gospels, he explains to them, it's better that I go so I can send my spirit. Uh, because Jesus on earth can only be in one place at one time ascended Jesus on the throne of God uh, can be everywhere that Christians are. Uh, sometimes we look at encounters with Jesus. We're actually studying encounters with Jesus in some of our Bible studies. And, um, you know, you just marvel at how gentle and wise and amazing he is in these interactions he has with people. And you think like, well, wasn't Jesus so great? Uh, but the ascension means that that's how Jesus is toward us now, like tonight. Uh, he's with us. Uh, he can make us alive today. Uh, if you're sad, you know, are you sad tonight? Uh, Jesus can comfort you truly tonight because he has ascended into heaven. Um, in that Acts passage that we read, I wonder if you noticed uh, that Luke as you know, Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts, which is about after Jesus. And, and he says, in the first book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. And I think when I read, I think like began to do, like he did a lot in the, in the gospel of Luke. Like it seems like he did everything in those books, but the ascension actually means uh, that there's so much more to come, that Jesus is working now. Uh, what's he doing now? He's working through Christians by his spirit. Uh, so when you open up your Bible in a Bible study group or with a friend, or if you sit down with a friend and tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done, uh, someone might encounter Jesus through you. Um, it's interesting, you know, the disciples aren't thinking this way. There's, you know, in verse 6 of that passage we read, they say, uh, Jesus, will you now restore the kingdom? Like, will you do it? And Jesus actually responds in an interesting way. He says, you will be my witnesses. Like, you're going to do it. You're going to do the work. I'll accomplish my purposes uh, through you guys. 
And that's extended to us. Uh, He wants to, from heaven, (laughs) accomplish his purposes through us. And, you know, that's the reason I stand up here on my, or get up here on my screen each week um, is not because I think I'm so awesome. Uh, It's not because I think I have like the most eloquent words and it's not because I think you need like your weekly dose of me all the time. Uh, But the reason I do this, the reason RUF exists, um, the reason we ask you to bring your friends and hallmates, roommates, whoever, is because we believe that Jesus can be encountered here. We believe people need to come and hear about Jesus uh, because he's in us. Uh, He's with us, even on Zoom of all places. Uh, Because without Jesus, there is no hope. Uh, there's actually been studies, like scholars have done this work where uh, they study what kind of plays were produced uh, in the early centuries after Jesus, his resurrection. And prior to Jesus, like, you know, this is the Greek world. So you think like Greek tragedies and uh, Greek tragedies was all there ever was, you know, because you look around light, like life is a tragedy if you just like objectively look at what you see, Right. Uh, life ends in death. Like people die, awful things. People do awful things to each other. And all these plays that were produced by these ancient playwrights prior to Jesus, every one of them was a tragedy pretty much until the resurrection and the ascension happens. And then all of a sudden what you see is that uh, plays start to be comedies. Like there starts to be joy. There starts to be like, you know, we can... Uh, we can have hope. Uh, it doesn't have to end in disaster. Like it totally uh, changes everything uh, because there's hope now. Like the saddest ending isn't the ending anymore. Uh, the ending is resurrection and life uh, with God. If Jesus is on the throne, then there's hope. Um, if in Christ God views me as beautiful somehow, And it doesn't matter how ugly people make me feel or what people say about me at all. Uh, If in Christ, God finds me valuable, like I'm in Christ. What's true of Jesus is true of me. That means God must think uh, very, very highly of me. And then it doesn't matter how productive I was today or yesterday or last week or all of my life. Like that's not the ultimate thing for me anymore, what I produce. It's that I belong to him. Uh, If I'm sad today, it doesn't mean I can't also rejoice in knowing that Jesus is on the throne and I belong to him. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to get better. Uh, If Jesus is running the show, then I can change because he's helping me. He's actively helping me now, uh, so do you see how the ascension changes everything? Uh, and if that weren't good enough, there's more good news in this passage in Acts. And that's the news that he's coming again. Like he's going to come in full, like we are going to sit with him. We are going to eat with him. And, you know, now we live in this already not yet moment where Jesus is already the king. Like it's done The coronation ceremony has happened, uh, but he's going to appear here again. 
And so we live uh, kind of in between the times. We wait for the full, full, fullness of it. Uh, but we can taste God's goodness and love today. As we live in this story of his resurrection and ascension, uh, we're going to feast on his goodness in eternity, but we can taste it today. Uh, I want to encourage you to make that your hope tonight. Your hope. I want you to, I want to encourage you to make your hope uh, that Jesus has already secured your place and it's the best place. Uh, You can't lose it if you belong to him and it can transform your whole life. Uh, Let me close us in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, pray that we would have a clearer picture of what this means, uh, that Jesus is on the throne, that there's someone with flesh and blood uh, who has entered into the presence of you and that in a mysterious way, that brings us in too. I pray that it would be our story. I pray if, if there are those of us that that's not really our story, I pray that it would become our story tonight, uh, that we would be uh, utterly transformed uh, by this gospel, this good news uh, that the king is on the throne. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.